With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How's it going, man? I'm doing all right, JP. How are you, man? I'm doing well. So, uh, this is my first one back since I got back from the honeymoon and enjoying married life and all that two weeks in. So, you know, we're, so, we're, we're very happy and it's been a very exciting time for us. That's awesome. That's awesome. Are you guys pregnant already? Is no, no, yet? we're good. <laughs> no? I, I, I saw you snuck in consummating my wedding vows. That was clever. Hey, what kind of? I mean, I I didn't want to do to to assume or, or jump to any conclusions. I mean, I but I have been married and I've I've been told um, on honeymoons usually is some, you know, yeah, hanky panky. So, <laughs> of course, of course, but no, because you've we, been waiting until then for that right. to happen. So it's a big, it's a big. I assume it's like that scene from Forty uh, Year Old Virgin. <laughs> a clean room. <laughs> No, we we had a great time on the honeymoon. We uh we went to Palm Springs and enjoyed uh, three or four days out there in the desert, and it was a it was a great time. And now we're back and enjoying life in Stillwater, and it's been good. That's awesome. So just get ready because now that you're married, um, that's the question you're going to get all the time. All right, so when are you guys going to have a kid? Yeah, when's the when's the first grandkid going to be here? Like, can we be married for five minutes? No, yeah. no, no kidding, right? But you know, like I said, it's been a lot. It's been fun. We've been very, we were very blessed, and it's uh, it's been good. We we really, uh, it's been very. We've both been very happy, and it's been a lot of fun. And I appreciate you taking the reins uh, last week so that uh, we could go and enjoy ourselves. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it was a shitload of work and a very busy week doing it by myself plus I'm all sure. other stuff. Not to not to complain, but um, no, it was fun. It was um, we had some really good interviews. I thought so. It, yeah, it made yeah. for a good show. Definitely. I was able to listen to it and I really enjoyed the the two interviews we had there with Michaela Barker and Corey Evans. But we have two great interviews this week as well. Uh, first, we're going to have an interview with Taylor Lynch, former Oklahoma State softball player. And she'll be on to talk about her career at Oklahoma State and this you know past incredible season that we all had. And uh, we all got to enjoy as well. And so we also have an interview with Cody Stavenhagen. He is currently a writer for The Athletic covering the Detroit Tigers. Previously, uh, he actually covered Oklahoma football, OU football, and men's basketball for the Tulsa World. But he's going to join us on our podcast talking about some Oklahoma State stuff, hopefully. Yeah, um, it, it, it's really an interview. It's it's nice to, you know, this is a series we're going to run this summer, just talking to people who were uh, connected to Oklahoma State Athletics in, in a variety of ways. We've got a few other uh, interviews that are going to be set up this summer that I'm really excited about that I think are going to be interesting. It's just, it's nice to get um, perspectives from people who have been kind of inside in some way, who have, have gone out and, and now have just – 
can talk about you know media in general and covering sports and and Oklahoma State. I think it's just it's just fun stuff to talk about to me. Maybe everyone else doesn't like it, but I do. Yeah, I know this is going to be definitely interesting, and you know, fill, help helps us fill up off season content so that people aren't just having to listen to lo- listen to us just ramble on about conjecture and just you know trying to predict random stuff and horrible hot takes and all that good stuff. So, uh, speaking of which, uh, so there's a fun tweet that was out. Um, what is today? Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday. On to Tuesday. Um, that the proposition of if you could pick one player from your team's history to put on your team this year. Uh, who would that be? And I found it really interesting. And I, I, I proposed that if I was going to pick one, I'd pick Russell Okung, uh, just because of the fact that primarily, a Oklahoma State hasn't had a more dominant offensive lineman during the Gundy era than him. And, and you need right now, offensive line and defensive line have been weak. And I kept getting pushback from people like, "What about Barry Sanders? What about Barry Sanders?" And, I, and this is not a knock on Barry to say that any of the running backs are up to, to snuff, but. If your thought on football is you just need Barry Sanders to fix this team and this team would win the Big 12, like you, you, you're, you're not very smart. Like I'm not saying he's not the greatest running back of all time. But if you think that you wouldn't be more beneficial having a lockdown left tackle or a, um, heck, Leslie O'Neill, or uh, I think someone brought up um, – Pause, 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 Or Kevin Williams? Like, would you not be better off having like a defensive lineman on a team whose defensive line is questionable heading into the year? Like, I just, like, I love Barry Sanders, but I would rather have, I think even our insight tweeted out Barry Sanders. Like, come on, be a little more thoughtful than Barry Sanders, guys. Like, let's, let's think about football not just like i mean to be fair that's an easy it's an easy name to go to and it's not like it's just a just an oklahoma state fan of thing like we're talking about one of the greatest players to ever play football but i see but i see your point with being russell okung and the more i thought about obviously the first the two people that went to mind for me first were barry sanders and the justin blackman because i mean justin blackman's one of the most dominant white college wide receivers i at least in the last you know 10 to 15 years but I think having a guy like Russell Okung would be huge for this team, especially breaking in a new quarterback, either Drew Brown, Spencer Sanders, into an offense that already has a ton of weapons everywhere. That would really kind of solidify things on the offensive side of the ball. Now, I think people just want it to be Barry Sanders for the sake of it being Barry Sanders. But I think having, a, the, you know, obviously one of the greatest to ever do it in the backfield for a guy like Spencer Sanders, who's a retro freshman, or Drew Brown playing power five football for the first time, that takes a ton of pressure off your quarterback. Or... It would just be really fun to watch Tylen Wallace and Justin Blackman on either side on the numbers because have fun secondaries because you're not going to stop them at all. Yeah, I it just you know I just to me like you have skill talent here. I agree. I understand Absolutely. Blackman's awesome. Like I don't I will never argue Blackman was one of the most dominant players I've ever watched, like in person. And Barry Sanders is the greatest running back to ever put on pads in college. I just like. Is though do those things? Here's your thought: If you're going to put someone on this for the season, to me, it's it's about making the team better to to reach higher highs. And Barry is awesome. Can they reach higher highs with a dominant defensive lineman or offensive lineman? Something they haven't had. In, 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 you know, we're talking Kevin Williams, Leslie O'Neill, Russell Okung, who were studs, and then were are, have been frankly studs in the pros. Um, I just think that would be more beneficial to a team who's got 
good running backs and has good wide receivers, has Tylen Wallace. Like I just, you know, we skill players are easy. Everyone loves to talk skill players because yeah, it'd be fun to watch Barry Sanders like in person this year. Like, don't get oh, me wrong. God, I just yes. from a team standpoint, like I, I feel like a dominant lineman would be more beneficial to this team than Barry Sanders. Yeah, no, I think I think that would be now, especially with the struggles the offensive line has had in recent years and with left tackle being somewhat of an issue, mainly in these last couple of years, that would help just immensely. And But I'm never going to knock the fact that it would be so fun to watch Barry Sanders out play again. Especially, oh, with, it, especially with how wide open offenses are now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Lord. Would he have 4,000, 5,000 yards? Something just... like that, yeah. Just, yeah. And the thing is, you could handle the ball and the team, and just like back in 1988, you could handle the ball, you know he's getting the ball, and there's nothing you can do about it. So speaking of the people saying stupid things on Twitter, if you don't like this U.S. women's team because you don't like the way they celebrate and their attitude, um, okay. What Alex I, I Morgan did today was you. amazing. That was awesome. Just, that was brilliant just, and it, clever it brilliant. and creative. Yes. Like she didn't run around and give the middle fingers. She ran to the crowd and sipped tea, which I'm sorry, since when is tea some sort of uh, – revered thing oh, we can't we don't we don't mess with with can't tea do we that. dumped it all on the like we dumped it all on the, the harbor like shut up like that was brilliant it was perfect it was premeditated and it was amazing and if you don't enjoy like look i get it that tells me you don't like any celebration whatsoever well that celebration went too far should she pull a baguette out of her pants and hump it? She <laughs> take four tea in her mouth like calm down oh, that would have been a celebration for the french not the british <laughs> yeah. point aside like chill like this is so much fun this team is fun to watch they literally didn't have rapino and they still won yeah like, that's, that's the most impressive part when they're just so dominant and so awesome and pay those women the money they owe like are owed like stop it no i love it's it. been, it's fun it's been so fun, fun to follow the women's world cup just the world cup in general for me is always fun to watch it's really what got me into soccer a number of years ago i was never really big into it but i got once i got into the world cup i was hooked immediately and it's, you know, like I said, women are just, they're incredible. And I, I was able to watch them a couple of years ago in Kansas City in a friendly match. And it was it was just as fun as going to a men's, you know, the, I got to see the men's team as well, uh, I think the year prior. And yeah, it's, I mean, they're the best in the world on, you know, a global stage. And they keep doing the damn thing every single time they step on the pitch. So it's, it's incredible to watch for sure. Now let's move into our interview with Taylor Lynch. Uh, this is really, really fun. I enjoy the heck out of it. And before we do that, a brief word from our sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. And now we are joined by Taylor Lynch, a four-year player at Oklahoma State for softball, was on obviously the College World Series team this past year, played the entire season on a torn ACL, which is just incredible in itself. Uh, Taylor, thank you for joining us tonight. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to talk. Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, obviously you had surgery a couple weeks ago. How is the knee and how is rehab going? Obviously, I'm sure uh, playing this season wasn't necessarily the best thing for it, but I'm sure it was all worth it uh, for your senior season. 
Yeah, definitely worth it. Um, getting to play on the biggest level uh, with the biggest or for the biggest university or one of the best universities around was awesome. So it definitely was worth it. Um, yeah, I had surgery last Monday and all it's been so far is just a lot of icing and some rehab just to get that range of motion back. And it's been good. And I just look back and I'm like, I'm so glad I played on it. And it did definitely did not help my knee playing on it but again it was worth it and i'm glad i did it you're not too hyped up on pain meds right now are you we don't want to no i'm not i'm actually been off pain medication for like two days so we're all good here okay good good so i just want to go back so when you because you tore your acl in fall ball right yes in october Okay, so what factor, like how long did it take you to really kind of make the decision? I'm sure against recommendation of doctors and all that, but what really factored into your decision to decide, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and play. I'm not going to take the red shirt. Um, you know, it probably took about two two weeks. I think it's always it was always in the back of my mind, like, Taylor, you want to play and you know this team's good enough to go to the World Series. This might be your only chance to play on that biggest stage in college softball. Um, but it took about two weeks to kind of make the final decision, talking to my parents, uh, trainers, past physical therapists. Um, I've kind of been down these this road before with my knees. Um, this is actually number four on oh, wow. surgery. But um, just went back and kind of used all my resources, talked to people. I talked to a player or a girl who used to play at Florida who had played on a, played on a torn ACL before. So she kind of gave me a heads up on what to look for and – what I would possibly be going through and everybody's different, but, um, she helped big time with that, but it kind of just went back to the coaches and really my main factor, if I had to pick one would definitely be the girls. They were too good. We went through way too much in the fall with the 6 AMs and all the conditioning, all the weightlifting, all the hours of practice. Um, I just knew I owed it to each one of them to at least try and play on it this year. So, um, I it definitely goes back to the girls and that's where we kind of got that saying for the girls for, or from, um, just doing it all for each other and that person next to you. So definitely for the girls. Yeah. The, uh, the FTG tattoos that you all got were pretty awesome. Um, saw that photo on, on social media. I, you know, I, I want to talk about that for a second. You, you know, most teams have a, a good sense of camaraderie. Everyone, everyone's out there playing for each other and supportive, but you guys this year just seemed I don't know. It almost felt like it was on a different level than than what you normally expect. Was that kind of what was your feeling there? Maybe compared to other teams, or what was it about this team that just seemed to bring you guys all together in that way? Um, you know, I think that just compared to other teams, it's all about the group of girls and the personalities and kind of who clicks and having those bold personalities and ha- and not having those bold personalities in some people and. I just think this group of girls fell together at the right time and we all we all got along right from the start and um, we pretty much always did stuff together. We were always together and just enjoyed being around each other away from softball. But I I mean I would say the biggest part of this team is that we communicated very well, um, knowing what each other likes pretty much on the field, off the field, say like if I had a bat at bat, Maddie Sue would know exactly how to handle, they would all know how to handle me. Like, do I give her a high five? I'm not really that type of person. It's more of like, let me calm down for five seconds before you come talk to me. And not everybody's like that, but just knowing 
that about someone and being that attention, like paying that much attention to detail made all the difference for this team. And the fact that we wanted to do that for each other, we wanted to know everything and just know everything on how to make the other person succeed and be successful and stuff like that. So I think just the love for one another uh, being the main thing just grew tremendously um, with this team, especially I've been a part of four really, really good teams here at OSU, but this one is definitely one for the books and I've enjoyed every minute of it. These girls just clicked. We all wanted the same thing. We were on the same bus. There was no one who got off. We didn't let anybody on. It was just us. And so it was nice. We've always just stuck together and held on to that the whole year. So there's a, a quote from that from Coach Gajewski that I, I, I've I've seen a few times that really kind of stuck with me about, you know, they, they told me they wanted to be coached like a championship team. And, and that line, there's more to that quote, but that line in particular has really stuck with me. And kind of tell me, what, is, what does that mean? What, what does it mean to say you want to be coached like a championship team? And, and what does it mean to be coached like a Hold championship team? Hold on, you kind of cut out. What was that last part? So I, I, I wanted to know, you know, that, that line is, they told me they wanted to be coached like a championship team. What does that mean? And what does it mean to be coached like a championship team? Well, so we all know, most people know that Coach G came from Florida and he came from that championship team. I mean, teams who have won there and, I mean, have accomplished the one thing that we all dream of accomplishing when we played D1 softball. And so... Um, we told them it's just different. It's a different mentality. And we told them this year, we're done making a regional and getting beat out. We don't want our season to end there. We want it to go past that. We don't even, we want to make it past super regionals. So coach us like a championship team. You've been there. So don't sugarcoat anything. Don't like go, Oh, we didn't do this or whatever it is. Just make us do what you've seen those teams do. Because if they can make it to the World Series by doing that, then so can we. And so we kind of just told them, don't change anything. Don't go easy on us at any moment. Even if you feel like we need it, don't do it. Because we want to get to the World Series this year. Because, again, we're done with that regional that regional feeling and the season ending at regionals. We want to make it past it. And we want to accomplish everything that all of us have dreamed about since we were five or six or whatever. And so um, – we knew he had been a part of a few championship teams. And so we said, hey, just just coach us like this. Because if you can coach us like this, we can play like it. And so it kind of just went back to that. So you've been a part of the first four seasons of the Gajewski era here at Oklahoma State. And you're obviously on his first team to the end. What's it been like to kind of see the progression, kind of going back to being coached like a championship team? What's it been like to see the progression from – your freshman year all the way up, you know, making it to regional sophomore, junior year, and then to finally break through, get to Supers, and then sweep the reigning national champions to get to to get to get Oklahoma City. What's it been like to see from where you started to where everything finished for you? Um, It's been awesome. I always tell people, like, I love the fact that I've been a part of the first four years with Coach G, but part of me also wishes I was a part of, like, the next four and the next four after that, because I know that they're about to be in the world series consistently. And we've kind of got that program back to where it was supposed to be. Um, but I kind of just going back, it's hard to, it's hard to say like which one I would like to be a part of more, but I'm glad I was a part of this one. And um, I would just, 
I would just say it's been the fan base, number one, to me has been the thing that's changed the most over the four years and just being able to bring in those fans. I mean, they were crazy this year um, and they were kind of, they helped us a ton when we play at home and kind of give us that home field advantage. But everything from first year to fourth year has, it's been pretty consistent for the most part. It's just about learning and continue, continuing to build each year. And that's kind of what Sue and I have talked about is just how can we be better than we were the year before? What can we do different? And it's all about adjustments and, learning and changing and that's kind of how we've made it through the four years and got us back to where we needed to be because we learned and kind of adjusted things as we need to and they always say like the first team who adjusts first wins and uh, that's kind of how the program was the last four years is just adjusting and keep making those adjustments for the better and that's what pretty much what we've done and it's been good to to watch everything happen over four years I feel like it went by so fast too fast but it's been really fun to be a part of it and be a part of the change. It's been awesome to experience. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to see if we could talk about that a little bit. Is what is it? How does it feel? You know, leaving the program in the way that let's just be honest, the the way that you and Maddie Sue and the, and the rest of of this his first class kind of did. You guys definitely have left the program in a far better situation than it was when you guys got there. How does that feel to to be able to look back in the next few years and 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 to see the team continue to progress and to continue to to achieve and know that you guys laid the foundation for what Coach G is is doing there in Stillwater? It's awesome. I think that we're two people that people will always look up to and kind of look at us as dusting off the history of Oklahoma State softball and it's been there we have so much history with the softball program back from Michelle Smith to Pam Harper and all of the OSU greats and we just wanted to come in and dust that off and it kind of dates back to Sue and I when we were in travel ball we were taught no matter what the situation is and we picked Oklahoma State because we wanted to go somewhere we were change a program and be people that everybody was going to remember. And so it's been, it's been good to see it. And I feel like we definitely have left it better than we found it. And like I said, that's something that dates back to a couple or several years ago, really. But um, yeah, it's been good. It's been awesome. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about, you know, obviously, Samantha Shaw was very popular with the bat flips and kind of all the notoriety she got on social media from MLB players and, you know, websites that cover softball and baseball and all that. What was it like for you guys to be able to see one of your teammates really not only be popular in the sport of softball, but really on a national stage when it came to, you know, not only softball, but just transcending into baseball and just social media in general. I mean, that bat spike she had in the College World Series, I blew up, but obviously she had other ones before that. What was it like to see someone on your team, you know, have, you know, have that kind of breakout performance and all that notoriety? Um, It was awesome. It was exactly what our team needed to get our name out there. And that's what she did is she helped get Oklahoma State softball kind of on that map and talking about us, whether they agreed with the situation or didn't they were still talking about cowgirl softball. And so um, it was good. It was good to see Sam do that. That's definitely her personality. And we 
accepted that as soon as she got on campus, kind of just who she was. And it goes back to being able to have, like, you need a Sam Shaw on your team. You need that type of personality and that type of leadership. And so when she did that, it kind of pumped us up. And we, we told her, we told her from the start, like the only approval you need is from your teammates and you have it. So go out there and spike your bat, bat flip, do whatever the heck you want. But that girl likes to win and she refuses to lose and she will do anything for her team. So it's been really good to see her get that publicity that she deserves. It's well-deserved, uh, well-deserved, but, um, it's been good, and to see Oklahoma State just be talked about consistently is awesome. So let's talk about the, the College World Series a little bit. Just like, what what was that experience like? I mean, obviously it's the first time OSU had been in, in quite some time and, and even longer since they actually won a game there, um, which you guys did. What was your experience like there in Oklahoma City? It was awesome. Just everything was so – I mean, I remember being there the first few days. We were just so busy all the time with practice, with alumni events, with getting our stuff from Nike to the banquet. Everything was just – we were doing stuff constantly. And I feel like the first few days we were in OKC, um, it didn't really settle in at all that I was uh, going to the College World Series or about to play in front of thousands of people, things I've dreamed about since I was little. Um, and I, you know, it didn't, I don't know if it was just because it's OKC and I've been there before since I go to school in Stillwater, but um, I, it didn't hit me till I walked in to the OU game when everybody was already in the stadium, um, just walking in and high-fiving people going down the sideline. It was awesome. And it's, like I said, it's just a dream come true. And it's something that you can't ever describe to someone. You've just kind of, you've got to live it. You've got to live that dream and. I got to do that, and it was so much fun. Um, it was worth everything that's been that's led up to this point for sure. Uh, so, I kind of want to go. So, what are you up to now? So, obviously, have you did you uh, graduate in May? I can't. I don't know off the top of my head. I know you're in my class because I just graduated as well. But did you finish your degree, or you still have more time? Yes. No, I am done with school. I finished this May with. Uh, Two degrees in management and marketing, and then a minor in sports management and a minor in entrepreneurship. Fantastic. So what are your plans now? So are you sticking around Stillwater? Well, I will be in Stillwater for sure through summer, um, rehabbing and stuff. I knew I wanted to have surgery here and be with my trainers here and stuff like that. Um, but after that, I'm not sure yet. There's a lot of different things being talked about um, from multiple fields, uh, but not really sure what I want to do yet. Could be going to Houston. Could be going to Dallas. Could stay here. Um, don't know yet, but there's a lot of opportunities out there for me. And I told my parents I just want really want to do something where my personality kind of goes to use and stuff like that. So to answer your question, I don't know for sure yet. I don't have a for sure answer for you, but um, I am sticking around Stillwater for the summer, and I've just been doing rehab and giving lessons, which I've been doing for a while since I've been here. So that's kind of my life update. So looking at the team and moving forward, um, who should fans be keeping an eye on next season and in the next few years? You know, I told when I was writing my senior letter to the coaches and something that we read out loud uh, to everyone, an underclassman actually reads each one of the senior letters and I put in that senior letter, I told 
Cheyenne Factor and Kylie Naomi and Sydney Pennington. And I said, you guys, if you guys take this team and you run and you don't look back. And I think those three are kids. And Sydney Pennington's already left her mark, obviously. But those two freshmen are going to carry this team back to the World Series multiple years, um, especially while they're here during or while they're here playing. But I would say those two kids for sure. Um, they've already made a huge name for themselves, but they're 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 just kids who you want to watch always. They're always doing something good, and so I told them take this team and don't look back and run with it and lead them back here because we still have a lot of work to do as a program and as an alumni. Um, I just want to see them back in the World Series. So, all right, I, I got one more for you. I kind of want to go in the locker room a little bit here. Um, you know, we get okay. to see Coach G some on, on TV, especially once we got to, to Supers and we got to the College World Series. Um, and, and we see some stuff put out in the media, but we don't get a lot from him. Um, part of that's just, you know, softball doesn't get covered nearly as much as other sports. What what can you tell us about Coach Gajewski? What What can you tell us about who he is, kind of his personality, and, and what it's like being coached by him? You know, he's just a personable guy, and I think that's what so many people latched on to. Um, people who came here, reasons why they wanted to come here, uh, girls who were already here, um, just always had that open door policy and made us feel at home, away from home, and made us feel like we always had someone to talk to. And he's just personable and he's loose and fun and keeps things like he keeps softball fun for the most part, or he he does, but like he he just finds a way to make make sure we're enjoying every part of this journey and so it's been really nice having someone like that having someone who doesn't change from the time he recruits you until until when you get there he's the same guy the whole time um but I don't I think that he doesn't put as much into the social media as what we get in that locker room um he's gooned out of his mind all the time like he's so excited he dances in the locker room he pumps his fist and I wish the media got to see that a little bit more. Um, that's what definitely goes on in our locker room after talks and stuff like that. But like I said, it just goes goes back to being able to keep keep this game fun for everyone and just enjoying every moment. Okay, we we need a Coach Gajewski locker room dance video like that. Yes, that put please. Gundy on the map. The same thing. We need that from Coach G like desperately for all of us to have. Yeah. No. I well, you guys really do need one. It's awesome. I mean. You might be a little disturbed at the beginning, but I mean, he's doing it for us and it's, it's fun. He keeps things fun. And hopefully you guys get a lot more videos this year of him doing that. Um, but I can definitely make that happen if you guys want it. I don't know that I have one right now, but I'm sure he will be doing a lot of that this year. I mean, considering um, we watch I'm, coach, you're going to offer yeah, if you're going to offer, but yeah, we yes. watch Coach Gundy dance on Saturdays after a win. It can't be much worse than that. So at least it'll entertain us. You can't you can't come out here and be like, you know, if you guys yes, want that, I could probably get that. So yeah, it will be entertaining. That's for sure. All right, Taylor, thank you very much for your time. I got one last question here before uh, before we end this here. This might be a silly question considering the way the your senior season ended going to the College World Series and such. But if you could go back and you know. What was your favorite memory from, and the one thing that you will definitely take away from your time at Oklahoma State? Hmm. That's a tough one. Uh, not a silly question at all, but my 
my favorite memory. Uh, you know, this is going to actually throw you for a loop maybe, but was sitting in the locker room after our final game at Oklahoma City and just, I remember there being 15 minutes of dead silence and all you could hear was everybody crying. And I know that sounds like, how is, why is that your favorite memory? But I think then it just, it just shows like how much everybody really cared about each other and loved each other and stuff like that. I mean, it was all the way from John Lingham, our SID was just bawling. Like just everybody who invested so much time in that program to see it pay off. And a lot of it was sad tears because it was over. But I think a lot of the tears were because they were so happy that this happened and we got to end here in this season on the biggest stage. So I would definitely say that um, that moment was awesome, even though it kind of is a, sad moment it's a happy moment too and that's definitely what i take from it yeah coach guy about had me crying during that speech there at the end man I oh my gosh that. i know he was yeah he was he cries a lot so i've seen him cry a ton in my four years here because he's a softy he might not ever tell you that but he's a little teddy bear sometimes but uh yeah he's he gets emotional and it made everybody emotional that night for sure all right. Well, Taylor, thank you very much for coming on our podcast to, you know, talk about your time at Oklahoma State and, you know, the future of the softball program is bright and you and, you know, Maddie Sue and Shao and those, you know, all of y'all help lay the foundation for it. So it's awesome to get your guys' your perspective on this. And Philip and I have been talking for a while. We tried to give you guys as much love on this thing as we could. And we even said we needed to get someone from the team on here. And we're very thankful that you decided to join us. So thank you very much. Yeah, anytime. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited for the future of Cowgirl Softball, and I hope you guys definitely keep promoting that. We will, for sure. They deserve it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and we'll be hitting you up for that Coach Gajewski video. Like, you can't promise that and, and not deliver now. Like, I know. I, I need I, that in my I life. I talk to a lot of people and see if I can get it. So, <laughs> you guys just let me know. All right, sounds good. Thank you, Taylor. All right, thanks, guys. Right. Yeah, thank you very much. Right, bye. Bye. All right, so we're, we're continuing our series covering the media today. I'm very excited to have Oklahoma State alum Cody Stavenhagen on the show to talk about a variety of topics. I, Cody and I have talked before when you used to cover the Sooners, so this is going to be this is going to be a really interesting interview, I think. Yeah, sure. So let's just let's start here, Cody. You were at Oklahoma State roughly from 2012 through 2015. Uh, you spent a lot of time working with the Ocali while you were there. Just kind of walk us through your time at OSU and, and your time working in, in sports media there. Um, yeah, wow. It's uh, it's almost hard to like summarize, but it was obviously um, probably the the most important and most formative experience of my career and really my entire life. So. Um, you know, I think like a lot of people, I came to Oklahoma State um, once I heard about the sports media program they had there. I was born and raised in Texas and had wanted to go to the University of Texas my entire life. And I uh, applied and got in and got accepted, but um, it, it was just going to be too expensive. So Oklahoma State, um, you know, I was able to get a pretty good scholarship there and had a couple of friends going there and the sports media program drew me in. So really from day one, I stepped on campus. I was there uh, trying to figure out what I could do to become a professional journalist. So I was writing um, 
for the Ocali from day one. I mean, I, I had my first story published in the Ocali, I think even before like the first official day of, of my freshman year. Um, you know, I was lucky to be there at a time kind of right on the heels of, of some guys who came before me and, and Kyle Fredrickson and Anthony Slater, two awesome writers. And so even though they didn't really know me at the time, I had I had read their work and uh, kind of knew what you could do if you if you went all in at the Ocali. Um, Brendan Morris, a guy named Brendan Morris, was my first sports editor. And at the time he was he was pretty influential as well. Um so you know, I think like a lot of people who who might be on this podcast, it was it was kind of a gradual progression. I mean, I remember my first game. I covered like an OSU women's soccer game, and I was just like nervous as hell. Thought it was like crazy to be on the field, like talking to the coach. Um, and then slowly, you know, before I knew it, I was covering big time men's basketball games and football. And then you know, I, I became editor in chief of the Ocali. Um, and it was just that experience. Like, I think I was there at a time that allowed me to see a lot of different things. So I covered, you know, two years of Marcus Smart. I covered a great OSU football season, and then I covered a really rocky OSU football season. Uh, I was there when the, the Sports Illustrated five-part series came out. Um, I, I was there for a lot of things, good and bad, and I think that really prepared me to be able to handle a lot of different situations and I was kind of trying to cover sports, you know, like I would if I ever got a chance to do it at a newspaper. So when I think I think when I took my first full time newspaper job, like I, I knew I was ready for that. And it was just because of what I did when I was in school. So I want to talk about your time there a little bit more. But so did you come into OSU as a, as a grew up a Texas fan or, or what were you? Did you have any? Yeah, yeah. I grew up a big Texas fan for sure. So what is that like going from? From a Texas fan to going to Oklahoma State, did you did you still root for the Longhorns? Did you root for OSU? Like, how does as 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 someone who covers sports, like I have the benefit of covering OSU, and I love OSU. That's my team, so it's really easy as a fan uh, to cover the sport. But how does it? How do you go from being a fan of one team to covering another team? And I realize it's you're a professional. Professionals understand how, how to differentiate between personal and professional, but. Like how, did, how what's that like going from liking one thing and then basically covering an adversary? Yeah, it's interesting, and obviously I've I've done it more than once. But I think um, I kind of read and talked to some people, and I knew the whole thing about once you become a professional, you kind of get rid of your your fandom to some degree, and you have to be unbiased. And I think in my first early days at the Ocali, that was kind of beat into me as well so uh you know i went to osu and it was like okay well i, I still kind of like texas but this is where I'm, I'm going to school now like you know i bought a few orange t-shirts and and all the like like most people do uh but within you know the first couple months it was like okay if you want to do this seriously and you want to be a professional and you want to be a journalist like you can't really be an osu fan either so i i adopted that mentality pretty early as well i know it's weird to a lot of people but that's just what i did it wasn't that i was pro osu or anti osu it was that i was i was just there to cover you know the university cover the games um like any other beat writer would so it wasn't like a huge transition for me the transition wasn't like school to school it was the, the mentality of being a fan versus the mentality of being a journalist. 
And for whatever reason, like maybe that just aligns with, with my personality or something. Like it wasn't all that hard for me to do. And I, I think it was just because I was pretty motivated to like uh, pursue my career. And, and I understood that kind of came with the territory. So it, it just happened a little bit. Yeah, so as you mentioned, that obviously came back into play. Um, after your time at OSU, you got hired on at the Tulsa World, ended up covering the Sooners for football and men's basketball for quite some time. How? What was that transition like? Because even from, from Texas to OSU, you're, you're switching states. Then, now you're dealing with you know, the top two Division One programs in a state who have a heated rivalry. What is, what is that transition like, and, and what was some of the things you kind of dealt with as someone who came from OSU and was now covering the Sooners? Yeah, I think that was another instance where, like, I, I get a lot of OSU alums wouldn't understand that, but when a, a newspaper offers you a job and it's like, hey, do you want to cover the University of Oklahoma, you know, football, uh, you say yes. Like, just the reality of it is that is an even better job than covering OSU football because we use a bigger brand, they've had more successful teams, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I was I was glad to have the chance to cover OU and, and to be honest, working with that athletic department was generally um, a little easier, got a little better access than you did at OSU. So I was I was glad at the time and looking back, glad I got to cover OU because, like when I was in college, like you know I covered Baker Mayfield's Heisman run, I covered kind of the early rise of Kyler Murray, I covered Trey Young, I covered a coaching change, like so much high profile stuff happened there that it was. It was kind of the place to be for, for the couple of years I was covering OU. Um, I'm glad I went to school at OSU because I had some familiarity, right? Like even just growing up in Big 12 country, I knew the recent history of Oklahoma football. Um, I knew kind of the, the ins and outs of it just through kind of observing going to school in Stillwater. Uh, I was familiar with what the Bedlam rivalry meant to people on both sides. That was kind of an advantage. Um, I think from the outside, when I like when I first got hired, probably not that many people really knew like who I was or where I went to school. A few did, so there were a few people on Twitter like OU fans, like you can't hire a, a, a poke to cover the Sooners and stuff like that. But it wasn't that bad, um, and I didn't hear much about it until the end of my first year on the OU football beat when I broke. A story about D.D. Westbrook and how he had um, been arrested on domestic violence accusations twice when he was like 18, 19 years old. And it became this pretty big national story, right? And so then all of a sudden, I had people Googling me and looking at old resumes and saying, wow, this guy went to OSU. Like this guy, you know, wrote some stories for like gopokes.com. This is clearly, you know, a biased, like BS story. Um, and that obviously was not was not true. It was 100% solid factual reporting, but that was really the only time I, I, you know, really heard it from kind of the OU world and got a lot of hate on social media. Got a couple death threats. That was like pretty cool, I guess. Not really. <laughs> I'm sorry. You got death threats for reporting about DD oh, West, yeah. like. Oh yeah. Oh fans. I guess Come like on. If, if you can consider like a Twitter comment a death threat. I didn't get any letters or anything, but I got I got a, a couple threats via Twitter. One guy said he was gonna like find me and, and run up on me or something like that. And uh, yeah, I had a couple emails, people are like, We'll expose you. I replied to one guy and I said, Unless you have a video of me singing Bruce Springsteen karaoke 
um, at a bar in Tulsa. You're not going to find that much on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but anyway, that was kind of the only time that like the OU OSU thing became any sort of issue. But again, like if there are any younger journalists or current Ocali writers out there, um, like obviously I loved my time in Stillwater. Oklahoma State University was a very uh, important place to me. Uh, but I'm very glad that I didn't have a bunch of like pictures of me on social media with like hanging out with Pistol Pete or or wearing orange shirts or anything like that because those would have been dug up and those would have been posted on OU message boards and it would have it would have served to undermine my credibility a little bit. But because there was nothing out there other than hey this guy went to journalism school at Oklahoma State, uh, there there wasn't that much people could use against me like when it when it came time to report on a controversial topic. So I, I am curious. I've been, I listen to a lot of different sports podcasts and, and, and I listen to one where, you know, a lot of guys at ESPN are from Northwestern and, and, and there's a bit yeah. of a, I don't want to say a Northwestern bias, but when, when the topic of Northwestern comes up and is available for, for discussion at ESPN, it gets, it gets a lot of weight. Um, and of course you get things with the SEC network where people, you know, there's their former SEC people who are on talking about it. How do you how do you stand on people who obviously you don't you don't you, as you said you've kind of set fandom aside and you don't wear yours as much but how do you where do you stand on the idea of, of people who cover sports um, who do kind of show their fandom or or make it aware that this is the team that uh, that I root for if if I'm going to root for somebody Yeah I think it's it's changing and evolving a little bit but it also depends on the situation like I think if you cover college sports you you can never say that you're a fan of any any university like because that's going to put you in a difficult situation or can at least set you up to one day if you have to again if you have to report something negative about a rival program um, that's going to be used against you if you cover pro sports you probably shouldn't be advertising whatever pro sports team you are a fan of or you grew up a fan of like you kind of put that away and, and put it in the closet a little bit. Um, but I'm starting to get it, like, the farther removed I am from Oklahoma State, like, uh, especially now that I'm not covering college sports and now that I live uh, a thousand miles away, like, I do feel a little more pride in uh, my alma mater and, like, feel a little bit more comfortable expressing that because it's not really playing into um, what I'm reporting on right now. So I think that's, you know, like they would teach you in journalism school. You want to avoid a conflict of interest, and you also want to avoid even the appearance of a conflict of interest. So generally in this in this realm, it's just best to not uh, to think like a journalist, to either not be a fan or certainly do not express any fandom publicly. When it comes to your alma mater, like I get why the Northwestern guys, like they're proud of their school, specifically their journalism school and all these great reporters that it's produced. Uh, so I get why that happens a little bit. If you're like Mike Greenberg or whatever, and you're a radio host, and most of your talk is probably about pro sports anyway, I don't have a problem with being like, yeah, I'm glad Northwestern won a basketball game. Uh, but there's a very fine line, and, and, and you certainly have to be careful. Um, otherwise, you can, you can undermine your credibility. I like your point of you feel like you uh, can rep your your alumni a little bit more now that you're out of state and living in Arkansas now, and I find myself with a lot more OSU gear than I ever had while okay. I was in the state of Oklahoma, yeah. which is a, a weird feeling, but when, when you're surrounded by it, it's like, all right, everyone's kind of taking care of it for me, but once you get surrounded by something completely different, like I'm in, I'm in hog country, 
Like mm-hmm. I will wear OSU things around more than I used to on a regular basis, just to you know, just to represent since I'm here. Yeah, I, I probably I never would have said this living in Oklahoma, and I did not wear or really even own anything OSU. Um, I mean, imagine if I'm wearing an OSU shirt at the gas station in Norman, and someone just happens to know who I am. Not that anyone ever did. Uh, but that that could be like a problem, right? You'd be like, oh, you're that guy that wrote the D.D. Westbrook story, and now you're wearing an OSU shirt. So I just didn't. That was not something I ever did. And again, I, I wasn't uh, like an OSU fan anyway. Uh, but now, like you do, now that I'm farther removed from it, you feel a little more pride in where you're from. Sometimes you want people to know where you went to school or whatever. Uh, so my perspective has changed on that a, a little bit, and I think generally that's that's just the case. Uh, for people and, and where they go to school. So you have moved on now. You are working for The Athletic, which for those of you who are not subscribed to The Athletic, I don't know what you're doing. Like if, <laughs> you want to know where all the best journalists from ESPN and, and Yahoo and a lot of other sites and Sports Illustrated went to. Uh, they all went to The Athletic, and it's worth the subscription. But just, you know, plug I don't know guys. when this posts, but 4th of July special, 50% off. I think it goes all week, so... Okay, so the well, that depends when Joel gets it done, but okay. go go subscribe, especially man, all the and anyways, without getting too far off topic. Um, so you actually went to the athletic to cover Michigan football in the fall um, for a little bit, and now are covering uh, the the Detroit Tigers, and I, and I found that interesting just because there's a former OSU guy, Nathan Ruiz, used to cover Oklahoma State. Um, it's from an OSU who his big thing was to cover baseball. He's now following the Orioles. Uh, and here you are now with the athletic following the Tigers. So just tell me a little bit about your just kind of baseball fandom. How that's just the sports you like, and what's it like finally getting to to cover the sports you seem to like the most? Yes, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's just been a kind of a crazy year. I've really been on three beats in thirteen months, from OU to Michigan football to the Detroit Tigers, which are all very you know three very different worlds. Um. But grew up a big baseball fan. I mean, that was that was the sport I played all through high school. Played with and against a lot of uh, really good players. Um, you know, grew up a you know like a lot of kids was just in love and obsessed with the game. Uh, my dad was a huge you know TBS Atlanta Braves fan, so grew up a, a Braves fan. And I think that's really why I first got into journalism because when I got to be like probably. 15-ish years old, I was kind of like, okay, uh, not not going to become a Major League Baseball player, not going to play Division One. do I, what, like, maybe I could play at a junior college if I, like, absolutely set my mind to it, but I'd rather, rather kind of move on, but I still want to be a part of this game, right, That's that meant so much to me, and so I think that was kind of my original goal getting into journalism was to cover Major League Baseball. That's probably evolved a little bit since then as my as I've matured, as my interests have changed. Like now, you know, I love writing long form features and, and doing some good hard reporting on whatever the topic may be. I could even see myself um, not writing solely about sports one day. Uh, but kind of while I was in this world, that was still I'd done the college football thing for a few years and um, college football is just hard to report on. You don't get very good access to the players. The schools can be very paranoid i mean there there's some good stories to be done and and good relationships with people but at the end of the day i kind of was just ready to move on to something else and so after a year of michigan football we had um 
we needed a Detroit Tigers beat writer for our kind of branch of the athletic up here in Detroit. I casually mentioned, like, hey, I've, I've sort of always wanted to cover baseball. Um, I had done two MLB.com internships, covered the Rangers, I covered the Cubs. I'm um, actually at the beginning of their 16 World Series season. So I had some experience in that world, and um, sure enough, it worked out where I was able to, to move over to the Tigers. Um, unfortunately, the Tigers are terrible right now, so <laughs> that's made it kind of hard. Uh, but I love being around the sport every day. Sometimes it's a grind, sometimes it gets hard. But I've, you know, I've been to spring training this year. I've been to Fenway Park. I've been to Yankee Stadium. Um, and and sometimes it's those moments when you like walk up the steps of the dugout and you're like, wow, I'm in a major league park. It kind of makes it all worth it. And I can sense a difference. Just sometimes when I was covering college football, it would get to where um, I just didn't care about like recruiting. Like there were certain, um, you know, I'm not a big like film guy when it comes to that stuff. Uh, it was some of the little things that I just was not excited to do. And on baseball, I, you know, I love the crunching the numbers and spending way too much time on fan graphs and you know, talking about prospects and doing some of the more minutia feels more natural to me in, in baseball than it did covering college football or even college basketball. So I think that's kind of where the difference is. Like, I, you know, uh, I wrote a story the other day that was just talking about, like, how players interact at first base. And then it ran and I kind of realized, like, wow, I was writing about, like, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera and... Um, trying to reach out to a couple of other really big names in the game for another story I'm working on. And, and uh, it, it's just kind of cool in a whole other way that even covering big time college football wasn't for me. So I think when you're really ingrained and in, in doing something that's your passion, it, it can make a difference. So um, it's been cool so far. Hopefully the Tigers will be good sometime in like the next four years. That would make life a lot easier, but, <laughs> but otherwise it's all good. That's one thing I've never really covered like a bad team before. I guess I covered one OSU football team that went to the the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, and other that other than that, football and basketball at OU and OSU, I was covering all top twenty five teams. I covered a Michigan team that was really good. Uh, my internships, the Rangers won the AL West that year. Um, the Cubs won the World Series. This this is a whole new experience too. Like, how do you write about a bad team? It's a different challenge. Yeah, you got to really dig deep to find stuff to get people interested when your team's not good because it's easy to write get readers when your team's good when the yeah. team's not good fans are like well i'm gonna go do something else you're like no no we still need you to read and and, yeah. and click and and pay attention we just had to find unique and different ways to do so yeah it's hard and sometimes those stories that that you want to do the big profile of some random guy or some story about like the the coach or the manager's background it's not going to be as as well received because these players like aren't good. They aren't big names. Sometimes the fan base hates whoever the coach or the manager or whoever <laughs> is, and it's like it really does. It changes how you how you frame things. Um, and we would talk about that in college football. Like no one wants to read a big feature after a loss. Like people are fired up and they want to know why the team lost and how it's going to get better. Um, and it, it does. It changes the way you have you have to think a little bit. Um, so I'm still navigating that to some degree. It's there's not much interest in the Tigers right now, um, which makes it hard. Like, I feel like I've written some good stuff that was just kind of cast out into, like, the abyss because no one no one cared, you know. 
uh, people have responded mostly when it's like something that's not that great of a story or it's just like some analysis, but it's critical. That's kind of what people have been responding to right now. So, um, yeah, different, a different world, kind of a reminder that one, maybe you think you have it all figured out, but, um, there's a lot of different ways to cover sports, every league, every school, every team is a little bit different. And, um, I'm sure I'll even say this like 20, 30 years from now, like you, you, you never have it all figured out. There's always something new to learn. All right, I'm going to get you out of here on this. You get to cover Michigan football for, for one one season. Um, and I've always found some similarities between Mike Gundy and Jim Harbaugh. So I, I'm curious, you know, I know you were there for a, law, a large amount of time, but how much, what are some things you could kind of compare in, in ways about those two guys, maybe some similarities and some things that are very different? Yeah, I think there are there are some similarities. Like they each have... Um, I mean, for starters, they're each beloved by their fan bases. They are alums who are former quarterbacks at their schools who were hired to bring these programs back to prominence. Like, they're, they're beloved figures on their campus, um, their respective campuses, in, like, a very similar way. Like, it is Mike Gundy and it is Jim Harbaugh. Uh, they each have their little quirks. Obviously, we know Gundy has his quirks. Uh, if you've ever turned on Sports Center, you know Jim Harbaugh has his quirks. Uh, but neither of them are particularly great to deal with. Like from a media standpoint, they can both be pretty closed off. Um, Mike Gundy has very good moods and very bad moods. One thing I, I didn't realize about Harbaugh, like Harbaugh is actually a lot more kind of dry or, or dull in front of the media than you might think. Like you hear about him doing all these quirky things, but generally when he's at the podium, he's just very like stoic and kind of robotic really in a way that, that usually Gundy is a little more animated, whether it's, you know, sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. <laughs> so that's actually a little bit different. I didn't realize that about Harbaugh until I was in the room. It's a, it's a strange vibe being in the Jim Harbaugh press conference. Um, I mean, so love him or hate him, both have a lot of critics, but both are pretty good football coaches and are, and are very proven. Um, so no matter how much criticism they take, they, they have resumes to back it up. I think they, um, I don't know. Harbaugh's obviously just a different type of character. Like he's super intense, super, you know, I mean, he coaches games wearing cleats, like, like stuff like that. Uh, whereas Gundy, like, I'd say Gundy's actually more laid back than Harbaugh or like a little more hands off. Harbaugh is very hands on both in the day to day aspects of his program. And, and I, th I think in recruiting, so there, there are a lot of parallels you can draw, but it's like, it's kind of hard to explain. They are very different people at the same time. All right. Uh, I lied one last. Okay. So your Twitter account says that you are a fan of good stories, good people. And Taylor Swift. Uh, do you want to offer a review of the new uh, Taylor Swift song? Uh, yeah, we're talking about um, me. Uh, me, yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's, I think it, it shows again why Taylor Swift is just the artist of our time, right? Like you look at at how her music has evolved. You have, have this latest song that's like an LGBTQ anthem a little bit. Um, I don't think it's her finest example of songwriting, and a lot of times her singles aren't. So if you're just judging her by like 
love story and look what you made me do and me. You're not getting the full Taylor Swift experience, okay? You need to dive deep into like the B side of Red and like All Too Well. Um, the B side of Reputation's incredible. Um, so, but me is another one of those songs. The more times I've listened to it, like it just gets stuck in your head. Uh, she has a way of being catchy, so it's already grown on me um, a lot, which is which is just kind of classic Taylor Swift. I'm really excited to see what this whole album's going to look like. Again, I think it will be better than just these one or two singles you might hear on the radio where you're like, oh, this song, like, I don't really get it. So, anyway. Very nice. All right, Cody, shameless plug time. Uh, for everybody who wants to check out the work you do covering the Detroit Tigers or just want to say, hey, nice work, uh, where can they do so? Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, again, at Cody Stavenhagen. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, if this posts by the end of the July 4th weekend, there's a 50% off uh, subscription code. So you're looking at, like, $2.49 a month. Not a lot at all. That's uh, probably a link somewhere on my Twitter page. You can find it, or you can go to theathletic.com. And, uh, and there's a ton of good stuff on there. You don't have to like the Detroit Tigers to sign up. I mean, if you like sports... If you just like good stories, there's a ton to read. I can't even keep up with it all. So um, you don't have to subscribe for me, but I think you should subscribe. If you like sports, if you like good stories, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. Tigers aside, it is some of the best college football coverage around, period. Just there's some great stories. All the, uh, the, the team breakdowns they put out for, like, every Power 5 team are amazing. Um uh, I'm I'm not a big baseball fan. I definitely don't think I follow the Tigers, so I can't say I've read as much of your work now. But if it's as good as the stuff you were doing at the Tulsa World, I, I'm sure it's it's up there. It's pretty darn good, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. No problem. Hey, Cody, appreciate your time. This has been awesome, and uh, I really do hope the Tigers get uh, kind of rebound soon for for your sake. Well, it might be a couple of years, but uh, we'll we'll see. I'm sure it'll be interesting in one way or another. <laughs>